0: for me Ecclesiastes 714. I think I'm going to just use this scripture as my base scripture to point out something that I am learning um, from the Lord and that he has been teaching me over and over again. (laughs) Uh, And if you're like me, sometimes we are slow to catch what God is saying until we surrender to the truth. Amen? Amen. Ecclesiastes 7, 14. The word of God says, enjoy prosperity while you can. But when hard times strike, realize both come from God. Hmm. And remember that nothing is certain in this life. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you today about the blessing of disappointment. The blessing of disappointment. Doesn't sound like they go together, do they? Well, they do. Disappointment, the word means sadness or displeasure. Caused by the non fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. What has disappointed you since you've been here on this planet? <laughs> what did you expect that you did not receive? What Or who made promises to you and let you down? Have you had cars not start? Have you had people disappoint you? Amen. For me, most of my disappointment has been from people who have done me in. Broken promises. Didn't let you know that they weren't going to come through. Didn't tell you that they weren't serious. Didn't give you confirmation or an email even to say, by the way, I don't plan to back this up. But not only have I been disappointed in other people, I've also been disappointed in myself. There are promises that I have made. Things that I have said that I would do and did not come through. Amen? There are decisions that I have made that have been bad decisions. Amen? I remember, just like it happened yesterday, I was just getting out of school and I got a call from some really big names in the music business. And right on top of that, I got another phone call from a pretty hot producer who at the time was producing Michael Jackson's album. And he called me and he said, I like one of your songs and I want to use one of your songs. While I'm working on Michael's project, I want you to come down and let me see if we can use one of your songs for this other big name artist that I want to work on because he was really hot that time. And the idea was that, you know, I would go down and meet with him and he would offer me a contract. And so I flew down there to New York City, to Big Apple, working at this big studio back in the day called The Hit Factory. And I got a chance to see this guy, pretty famous name, I'm not gonna mention his name, but I got a chance to see this guy go from studio facility to studio facility and work with all these impressive people that I dreamed of meeting. And it looked like I was next in line. And I remember very clearly that when that time happened, um, news got out at my dad's church and folks were saying, wow, Jamie, it looks like things are really getting ready to happen for you. And one of my dad's assistant pastors said this to my face. Now, never forget it. They said, wow, Jamie, get out there and achieve all you can achieve. The world is your oyster. You ever heard people say that to you? You know, get out there and do it, man. You know, the theory or that phrase basically says something like this. It's like great wealth is coming to you. Life's riches are coming to you. Um, It's the possibility that you will find an oyster with a very valuable pearl in it because things are just going your way. And we often say that to young people who are up and coming and look like they have good things coming to them. Maybe there's a kid who can play basketball or maybe there's a child who graduates top of the class headed to being a lawyer or a doctor or something like that because we like stuff like that. You know, we never go, you know, oh, you look like you're going to be a good garbage man. We don't just say, we don't say that. We just don't. You're going to be a good cafeteria worker. I just, man, world's your oyster. No, no, it's always big stuff. (laughs) So we encourage them Because we see good things coming to them and we want them to stay on the same track when we see these young people. We want the best for them, right? Right? One slight problem. The Bible does not teach us anywhere in Scripture that the world is our oyster. The Bible teaches us one simple truth. That the world is messed up and that we are more messed up than this world. <laughs> as bad as this world is, we're even worse. Right? Here's the thing. We really, saints, and I said it before, I going to put this in your mind. We have no idea of the extent of the damage that being born in sin has really done to us. We just don't know how jacked up we really are. We are, look at me when I say this to you, deeply flawed. So when I heard that song and ringing into my spirit, only you are holy, it was like, yeah, that's right. Because that's not us. That's not us. We are deeply flawed. Our thinking is clearly off. Amen. Jeremiah 17 and 9. Jeremiah 17 and 9 says this. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Stop. See, that's why I like giving you these scriptures in a different translation so you can see it a little differently. Because sometimes we get so used to it and we read past it. I know that one. But look at what it's saying here. When you you get into the Greek and you look into the Hebrew and you kind of, you know, dig a little bit. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? What he's saying here is there is nothing that has ever existed that lies to you more than your own heart. Wow. There's nothing more deceitful that you run into than your own heart. That means The main person that you cannot trust is you. I'm going to give you one. Let's go a little deeper. The devil is called the father of lies. He is called the deceiver. But let's be honest. He is not the one that's talking to you the most. The one that's talking to you the most is you. It's our own heart. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. The Lord says this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. What God is saying here is we're not even close to his kind of thinking. Are you hearing me? You can you just can't. It's like you, you know, you can't take one step or 25 steps or 250 steps from the earth and then end up in heaven. You can't do it. You may not get, you know, 2,500 steps going straight up. You still won't be in the heavens. You can't run to his thoughts. That's saying that what God is thinking and what I am thinking are so far apart it's not even funny. My ways, my ways of doing things, your ways of doing things. When I would compare your way to God's way, they're like planets away. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God, I think we ought to do this. God's like, no. (laughs) This is the best way to approach this situation. God's like, no. That's the best we can come up with, thanks. Okay? Uh, Matthew 23, 25. Nah, you know what? Before we do that, watch this. One of the things that we often do when it comes to dealing with how we think or trying to do things in a better way or dealing with our sin and recognizing our sin when we see how flawed we are, the first thing we do is we do a religious cover-up. Morality. Let me try harder. Let me just try to do the best I can. Adam and Eve, where are you? You were naked and unashamed. Why you sew fig leaves and put them together and think that's going to fix it? This cover-up is not even close. We take the externals and we try to fix an internal problem. When the problem is in our hearts. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Matthew 23, 25 says this what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites? You are so careful to clean the outside of the club and the dish. But inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. Mark 7:15. Says this, it is not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Are you hearing this? The best thing we can do is come up sometimes with a religious cover-up. Make it look good on the outside. But the problem is, is that our deceitful and wicked hearts. Romans 3 and 10 through 17. Romans three ten through seventeen, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. So the problem is, is not that this world is messed up. The problem is, is my heart. Okay? There are things that we do that are not Christ-like. So no matter what we think is coming good to us without the mind of Christ we mess these things up. You hear what I'm saying? So what does God do? Well God's got this tool and most times this tool that he uses we tend to think that because these things are happening and not going our way that God Has abandoned us, left us, he's mad at us, he's forsaken us, it's all bad. God uses this tool called disappointment. Because God forbid he allows some things to go our way that he did not approve of. Amen? Amen? Again, Ecclesiastes seven fourteen. Enjoy prosperity while you can, but when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. God, you're so good when things are going well. God, I really like you in this season of my life. I don't know what you were doing in other years. <laughs> But in this season right here, I really like this. This is good. This is wonderful. And then when things go bad, where are you, Lord? What happened? I thought we was cool. What happened to our relationship? What have I done to displease you? What if the truth is the disappointment is also a part of his love? The disappointment it's also part of his approval. Not agreeing with everything that you're doing. He's basically saying, you're my child. I love you. And because I love you, I have to disappoint you when you veer off the path or when your thinking is just wrong. Are you hearing me? We have these things we like to try to hold God to so that we don't experience any disappointment because that's what we think it's all about. I get saved, disappointment disappears. Hallelujah. I don't know one Christian who's ever experienced that. But this is what we do. We have these scriptures. Proverbs 22 and 15. Watch this. It's just just an example. A youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. Let me give you another one. Proverbs 22 and 6. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Now, let me explain something to you about the Proverbs. Proverbs are principles, but you must not force principles into promises. Did you catch what I said? When you force principles into promises and try to make it a universal statement for all Christians, what happens when the formula doesn't work? I done took you to every Bible study. I beat your tail when you was out of line. I gave you every scripture in, in the world. I dragged you to church every Sunday for 18 years. And after all that work, because I trained you up in the way that you should go. When you turned 18, you left the church, told me you were an atheist and gonna go mess around with some people I not told you to mess around with, move in with somebody you didn't have no business moving in with. me no I gave you principles and you thought that by those principles you would get around disappointment there it is but what happens when the formula doesn't work and is it true that sometimes we end up with some, some situations I know a teacher right now man of God his son is on the internet I won't mention his name Talking so bad about Christianity, it's not even funny. He got a whole YouTube channel set up to debunk Jesus Christ. Raised in the church. Father's big time theologian. Got books after books after books of this is how you do it. And the child is like, I don't believe none of that. What happened? Did the formula not work? What is God really saying? I'll go a little bit deeper. If you do it the right way, your marriage is going to turn out a certain way. <laughs> There's this guy by the name of Hosea in the Bible, <laughs> told to marry some girl named Gomer. <laughs> And what ends up happening is, you know, Hosea is not what we would describe as some rank sinner. Right? You hear me, Ruth? He's a godly man. And his mission in life, because God has designed it this way, is for him to marry Gomer. So even if you are a godly person that does everything that God told you to do when it comes to, you know, we went to marriage counseling, we did blah, 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 we, we got it all straightened out, we abstained, we didn't... Shack up in no way. And I ended up with, can I say this, Lord? Okay, children are here. Somebody who does not know how to stay where they're supposed to stay. (laughs) How about that? The Lord, I'm getting more mature, David, as I get older. The Lord is like saying, "Mm say this. (laughs) being a godly person does not automatically guarantee that you end up with a righteous mate ain't that true I gave him the best giving you the best that I got (laughs) oh no and he walked out saw your cousin at a picnic and never even knew found out years later and it's over. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Disappointment. What's going on here? Keep going. Matthew 7.24. Hang with me. I'm going somewhere. Matthew 7.24 through 27. Jesus goes through the whole Sermon on the Mount. Help me, Holy Spirit. And he's down at the last part of his sermon. And he's basically saying. That now everybody that cries unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he leaves us with this one little statement here in the end. He says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these things, or these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which buildeth his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth These sayings of mine, and doeth them them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. Hmm. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it it fell. And great was the fall of it. Now, just on the surface here, before I go into this next passage, I'm just going to explain this to you. I know there's a deeper meaning here, but just on the surface here, there's a person who had plans to build something. They set out to erect the structure. But what they put it on was shaking. Right? I'm deciding that I'm going to build this house, but my foundation is wrong. I go through this great you know, process and extend all this effort. And what ends up happening? The house falls. Why? Because it's not built on the rock. There's something unstable. So what's happening? What happens? I thought it was going to be great. I thought we could live here. I thought the house would be secure. Now I'm disappointed. You hear me? You know? This is a picture of a person's life. When we come to God with half our mind in the world and then the other half of it on Jesus and thinking that somehow we're going to be totally secure and things will work out just the way we planned. He's basically saying, listen, you either put your house and everything that you got on me or you will be disappointed. Not only just in life, but we're talking about hell, ultimately. Okay? But even here, there are some things we will, just, we will experience. We will go, what, what happened? I thought that this would be okay. Why, Lord, why wouldn't you just let me put my mansion on the sand? <laughs> this is just what I want to do. I want my stuff all over here. <laughs> but Jesus is going, listen, that's not how it works. You either put it on me or it's not going to stand. It's going to crumble. Again, Matthew 6, uh, 19 through 23. Just, you know, just on the surface here. Matthew six nineteen through 23. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Oh, got this portfolio. Got this money set aside. And my treasure is here. And Jesus is saying it's in the wrong spot. It's subject to disappointment. Are you hearing me? This is not secure for you. There's, this is not foolproof. This is not guaranteed. Amen? Then he goes further. says, 22 says, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. If you have singular focus, if you don't have a dual eye or a dual focus or your, 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 your motives, if, if your motives are unpure, then you're inviting in another element that's not going to make things secure for you. If you're focused on me and what I have for you, God is saying, and your eye is single, not, you know, with all this other junk in it. If your focus is on me, then there's a guarantee that you're going to be all right. But if your focus is not on me, then even the light that you think you have is darkness. Here's the thing that blows me away. In the New Living Translation, it says this. If the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? Darkness. Whoa. So here we're talking about being deceived, people. By what? Our own hearts, our own motives, our own expectations. Something's in the way. And it all leads to disappointment. But God uses this disappointment. And why does he do it? The problem is, is we're living the lie and not the truth. David mentioned it earlier today. When you do that, your only destination is disappointment. So how do we fix it? Psalm 119.37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Lord, I got my eyes on all the wrong things. Turn my eyes from seeking vanity. What does he do to do that? I'll tell you what he does. He blesses you with disappointment. Are you getting it? Lord, this is what I want. That's not good for you. Lord, this is what I need. It ain't, life ain't about that. <laughs> Lord, I'll be happy once this happens. No, you won't. <laughs> you said that last time, remember? <laughs> oh! So what do I do if I love my child? Hmm? Do I let him have the counterfeit, the fake, the dead end? Or do I allow some disappointment to veer that child to what's really important? Hmm? It's a gift. The sovereignty of God also affects how we make decisions. We recognize that God is in control. And even if we make wrong decisions, people, it's all is not lost. Why? Because we have a heavenly father that loves us and we can trust in God's faithfulness and his ability to set us back on the right course. So what does he do? There's a scripture that we love to quote. Are you ready? And we know that all things work together for the good and the love of the Lord. And I'll be called, they get decal according to his purpose. Right? We love that, Right? Let me try this again. Watch this. Romans 8 28, 29. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. God does not cause everything. But whatever he does allow works for the good of them that are the call according to his purpose, those who love God. And I call, what are you saying, Pastor Jamie? I'm saying that there are things that happen in your life that are not wonderful in your eyes. They are not pleasing. They are not easy. They are not what you would put in the category of what you would call a blessing. And God says, In his way of seeing things, all things work together. That means the good stuff and the quote-unquote not so good stuff. Are you hearing me? Amen? Amen? Verse 29, right after that. What's the purpose? What's the purpose? Why, Lord, do you allow these things that are so painful? Why? Why am I going through this? I thought you loved me. And why is this crack addict over here having more fun than me? This this floozy over here is having the greatest time of her life. She just, floozy got a, a, she got a promotion and I got fired. I don't understand. (laughs) Why is this person's health good? And this person's health is not good. Why do you give that alcoholic five babies? And we've been trying for 15 years. Come on, somebody. Wait, you ain't got enough faith. That's not it. You know what the problem is? The focus is wrong. Lord, if I do this, you're going to give me this. You're going to give me this. You're going to give me this. Give me this is not the focus. And if I let you have that as your focus, you're going to end up Disappointed. Why? Because everything in this world is set up for you to be disappointed for one purpose. And I'm going to tell you what it is. Verse 29. For God knew his people in advance. Romans 8, 29. And he chose them what? To become like his son. So that his son will be the firstborn among many brethren. So if this thing that you get is not going to make you more like Jesus, then it's not on his agenda. But if this pain is going to cause you to be more like Christ, oh, then that's what God will allow. Are you here? Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. But you're looking more like Jesus. You're looking more like Jesus. You're looking more like Jesus. And that's the point. We get it twisted. We get mad at God not understanding what he's really working on. So what happens? Disappointment has to be allowed. It's his tool. I got to get your mind off of what you think will make you happy and get you to understand that this thing is really about joy in Jesus. Okay? Being like his son. Skip down to 35, same chapter. Romans 8.35 Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Huh? We're killed every day as it says. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelmingly victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loves us, who loved us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Neither death, nor life, nor neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for the days, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. What are you saying, Pastor Jen? Stuff is going to happen. And when it happens, the temptation in our mind is to jump to God no longer loves us. But he's using that stuff to get us to see just how much He loves us. Let me explain something to you. You won't pray unless you're given something to pray for. <laughs> you don't know God can bring you through until you have to face something. You don't know how faithful God is until you think you're going to go without. Are oh, you seeing what I'm saying? So there's things that we encounter, things that we deal with, and the enemy comes and says, God doesn't love you. And then our own heart lies to us and says, this can't be God because all I'm experiencing is disappointment, not realizing it's not about getting some result other than becoming like Jesus. Oh, see, people won't preach that to you because they don't fill churches, but I'm telling you the truth. It's not about what you think you deserve or what's entitled to you for being born. It's about becoming like Jesus. Let me make it plain. This is the sovereignty of God. No matter what happens, God has the ability to make his will and his, his, his glory come to light to where all those things work together, not only for your good, but also for his glory. Here's the thing. Joseph's brothers hated him. His father bought him a Louis Vuitton multicolored coat. And the folks went crazy. He said, I ain't even got no Adidas from you. <laughs> How you gonna give him some Louis Vuitton coat? So what happened? His brothers hated him. They sinned against him. They put him in a pit, sold him to strangers don't even know you just get rid of this dude then watch this they lied to their father for years had their father in pain for years kept the secret for years your son is dead this is very sinful and the whole time it was happening God saw it right God still allowed it to happen. And he had a plan to save all of them in spite of their sinful ways. Disappointments will come, but they are not bigger than God's ultimate plan. Okay? We need to see that God had a plan. Amen? For you, God had a plan for me. God had a plan back in the day for Joseph. Are you hearing me? And God's plan did not include Joseph bypassing the pit. Are you hearing me? The plan is not just to get you out of trouble. That's not the result of the plan. God allowed the plan to change Joseph. God allowed the plan to change his brothers. God allowed the plan for his brothers and Joseph to see how good God really is. Oh. When Joseph got through being arrogant in his heart, <laughs> and his brothers had to deal with all that jealousy, God's plan was so big, he saved his jealous brothers and his arrogant Joseph. All of them got saved from the famine. They could have been wiped out. And by the time God got through with them, everybody was repenting. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Joseph, we're so sorry. We was mad because of the Gucci and the you know, Louis Vuitton. We didn't. We was upset. Daddy had favoritism issues, and we all suffered from that. And, you know, and then Joseph was like, you know, I'm having dreams. I'm better than everybody. And they was like, we're going to fix you. But by the time God got through, he fixed everybody. Amen. And he saved their necks. Is that not what he's doing with you and me? But guess what God included into it? Disappointment. Are you hearing me? We didn't get around it. God does not directly cause everything to happen, yet he does allow all that happens to happen. And ultimately, God's will is going to be accomplished. Disappointment is his tool. We can rest in the fact that our God is actually able to work all things out for our good, even when we cannot readily see how that may be happening. We need to understand how powerful God is and how much he loves us and know that we are secure in him. We are founded on the rock. Are you hearing me? on the rock and he will allow disappointment until we move all our stuff off that sand <laughs> and get it on the rock i'll be so happy when i get married uh, sand <laughs> i'll be so happy when i get this new job sand i'll be so happy when these, when i finally get a kid sand they're going to act right and do exactly what God want me to do, what they want, what God want them to do, sand. I'll be glad when I leave this church and go to another When you find out, sand. It's true. So what does God do? He goes, I love you so much, I'm going to let this whole thing crumble. You're going to be so disappointed by the time you, I'm finished with you. You're going to be, you ain't going to want nobody but Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You sinful. They sinful. This world is sinful. Lord, I just want something that's like you. That's what I want. Make me like you. Make my surroundings like you because I'm tired of this mess been disappointed, lied on, cheated on, all this, I thought you was my friend, I'd be so good when I hook up with you, nope, sand, just sinking, just, just, couch all in the sand, TV in the sand, sand, you know, build all your stuff on everything but Jesus, and God in his love says, you know what, I love you enough to use my tools of disappointment, until you realize that it ain't about none of that stuff. This is what I'm learning, saints. This is what I'm learning. I, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the lesson of the year. I'm like, okay, how long have you been trying to tell me this, God? Forever, Jamie. He's just now getting it. He's just now getting it. Turn, he, he said, turn my ways Turn my eyes from vanity. Huh? Give me truth. Huh? Turn my eyes from vanity. Vanity, what is that? Pointlessness. Pointlessness. On Christ the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So, one more time. I'm almost done. Lord, I didn't even know how you were going to put this message together. <laughs> he just said, "Here you go." <laughs> I'm preaching myself this morning. One more time: disappointment, sadness, or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectation. And then here's the thing that I wanted to see this morning. Last point. When we think that God is not being fair, when we think that God is not just by allowing us to go through some things, when we think to ourselves, Lord, this is, you know, being, becoming like Jesus is a bit much. You know, I don't know why you're allowing all this. I don't get it. Your dis- the disappointment is too much for me to bear. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes it feels like that. Sometimes it feels like that. We, why? Because our sinful selves, being born in sin, shaped in iniquity, we have no idea how much God's got to break off us. We have no idea how, just how much stuff is just like, none of this looks like Jesus. This has all got to go. But in the process of that, we, we, we complain, we get hurt, we cry, we shed tears, we have doubts, we feel like, God, you've not... You've not come through on your promises. I don't understand. I'm dealing with way too much disappointment. When we get to that place, I want you to also remember this point. What about how many times we have disappointed him? Now I can look at all the folks that I have been disappointed in, but what about the, the many times I disappointed God? What about all the times I said I would never do it again? What about all the times I said it's over? I'm pulling myself out of this. What what about all the times I made promises that I did not keep? Lord, you do this for me. I promise I'll do that. And God did it and we reneged. We broke contracts, broke covenants. Come on, let's let's just be real. Lord, you give me a husband, I'm going to know how to treat him. Yeah, right. Lord, you give me a wife, I'm going to be real nice to her. Yeah, right. Slipping and dipping out of your covenant. Huh? Lord, you give me some money, I'm going to pay my tithes. Yeah, right. I'm going to give to that person down the street that that really is in need. They starving today. Waiting for you to make good on your promise. Just Disappointed. I'll never smoke that again. Kids, college tuition, gone. Gone. You, you smoked it. All of it. Smoked it all up. What about the disappointment? Huh? And what did God do in spite of all that? He loved us forgave us called us his own gave his son for us made us right called us justified us glorified us what there's a plan in place that ain't got nothing to do with your performance it has everything to do with his grace he set that apart. He set that in motion a long time ago, knowing everything that you would do. So the disappointments that we take are nothing compared to what He's enduring. So when God uses this tool of disappointment, it may take a minute for you to say "Hallelujah." In the house. But trust me, it's coming. I'm done.